When someone expects you to know something that you don't know, it can be really frustrating. Luckily, God does not leave us to figure things out on our own. In this series, called Basic, we're talking about the foundational principles of being a follower of Jesus. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. So tonight we are beginning a series called Basic, and uh, for me, basics start, they start out when you're a child. Obviously, you learn your, your basics about the alphabet, you learn the basic numbers, basic addition turns into calculus one day, uh, the, all the numbers go away at one point, and it's really unfortunate. Um, for me, there was some basic moments. When I was a kid, my dad had to teach me how to change a tire, and like one of the first times, that, it wasn't probably the very first time, but I can remember like too soon, he was like, all right. Before we leave, we need to change this tire. And like, we were walking out the door to leave. So what he was saying was, in like two minutes, we have to change this tire. I was like, Dad, that's too fast. I can't do it. I don't look like a NASCAR pit person. So you're going to have to take the lead. So I was, um, you know, holding the flashlight and rolling the tire and, you know, making sure the lug nuts don't get lost. But when I was a kid, my dad had to teach me how to change a tire. It was not like something he just expected me to know. There have been times in my life where I was, you know, expected to know things that I didn't. Let me tell you, when I went to the post office yesterday, there are all these magic rules about the mail. And listen, my generation helped kill the post office. We're working still diligently to like get rid of paper mail. And so when I walk in there with my package wrong in more than one way, do not expect me to know that mail lady. I, this is not a time for me to air my personal grievances, but um, I got a bone to pick with this lady at the post office. And I went in today to give her a piece of my mind and it was a different lady. And that was just the Lord testing me. <laughs> saying, hey, don't you forget, you give grace to that male lady. Anyway, the basics, the basics, that's what we're talking about. And tonight we're talking about the basics um, about Christ followership. What does it mean? What are the, the very first things you need to know when you start to make Jesus a part of your life? What are the, what are the, the one, two, threes of being a Christian? And so tonight we're talking about the basics of worship. So worship has, a, it's a word that means a lot of things to a lot of different people. In this room, typically when we say worship, we're talking about that thing that just happened here with the music. <laughs> we generally, we're talking about some songs that we sing to God, about God, about how great he is. And it's a time that we dedicate focus on him, dedicate to him to tell him how good he is, to remember how good he is. So we brag on God to him and to the people around us. And that's all a form of worship. So tonight, um, I'm going to go through three questions about worship that have helped me in the foundations of worship. He, these questions helped me to understand what worship really is in a very, very simple way. I hope that you find that to be true. So can we pray to get started? Let us pray. Jesus, thank you for tonight. And, and prayer is a form of worship. When we thank you at any moment, when we give you glory, when we acknowledge you, it's a form of worship. And so God, tonight I pray that you help us to learn what it means to worship, that tonight that we can uh, learn something in an incremental way, become more like you. Tonight in a small way that we just take one baby step, or maybe it's a big step, but I pray at least a baby step uh, closer to looking more like you, God. We thank you in your precious name. Amen. So the most basic question about this very basic thing about worship is why? Why should we worship? And uh, 
in a sentence, it's because God deserves it. <laughs> That's the, it's the most simple way to put it. We, we worship God because he deserves it. So let me paint a picture for you. Um, the, God chose the Israelite people to be his people, to reveal himself to humanity through the Israelite people. So he's like doing miracles and he's like showing up and he's being an amazing God to his people. And yet constantly they forget. Constantly they're like, yeah, that was cool, but what if this God has it better. Like, we're going to get, like, bread and water with God, but what about Twinkies and Mountain Dew with this other God? Constantly, they were complaining, and constantly, they were just forgetting about how good God is. So God gave them a lesson in remembering. So he does this miraculous thing where he parts the Jordan River. This is the second time he parts a body of water for his people to walk through on dry land. Maybe if you're like a church person, this sounds normal to you because you've probably heard it a billion times. But he parts, imagine just Harvey's Lake. Like when you put it at a lake you've actually been to or like Lake Jean or wherever, whatever body of water picture one that you like have gone to, just imagine the water parting onto dry land. Bananas. Like you cannot even like really wrap your mind about what, around what that was. And these people experienced it twice. So uh, God parts the Jordan River and they walk through and the, a man named Joshua is leading the Israelite people. And God says um, to have Joshua take these 12 people and get 12 stones from the, the lake, from the bottom of this river, from the Jordan River. Get 12 stones out of there while it's dry. Be quick about it or you're going to drown. So get some rocks from the bottom of this river and take them up on the dry land. This is what it says in Joshua 4, 6 through 7. In the future... When your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. God is teaching them to remember what he's done. So he's saying, get these 12 stones. They represented the 12 groups of the Israelite people, the 12 tribes. And he said, get these 12 stones and you build a, a monument of some kind on the riverbank so that you can remember, you can commemorate God for what he's done. You can remember God and thank him for what he's done forever. And when your kids are like, yo, what's up with those stones that are just like on the bank of that? Sh don't they look like they're like, um, you know, you've seen like a rock at the bottom of a river. It's like smooth. Those types of rocks are not, not at the bottom of the river. So they're going to see this giant pile of these stones um, and, and they're different than the other stones. And they're going to say, what is that about? And that is a moment for you to tell the story to your children about how God cut the water of the Jordan River so we could walk through it. For you, this is important. This was important for the Israelite people. This is also very important for you a, a Gentile, not an Israelite person. So for you, um, God may not have parted a, the Harvey's Lake for you, but at some point in your life, he's brought you through something. And some point in your life, you were, we were staring down the barrel of something horrible. And you were sitting at the edge of your bed, weaving, and you felt the peace of God come over you. Or you were facing the loss of a loved one or a severed relationship or a parent that betrayed you. And there was just, you could see nothing good ever again. And God gave you hope in that time. Or God healed a loved one. Or he healed you in some way. God may have not be performing these physical, like terrain around you is changing. He may not be pushing mountains into the ocean for you at this time. 
but he's doing something for you that is amazing. If you woke up this morning with breath in your lungs, you have something to thank him about. So thank God he's brought you through something, he's done something. To, so, so take an inventory for what you're thankful for. This is something that I try to do literally every day. And I say pretty much the same things every day. <laughs> but it's a moment where I have to stop and remember, it's not by accident that there's breath in my lungs. It's not by accident that my heart is pumping this red goo through my body that keeps me alive. Like, don't think about it too much because it's gonna freak you out. All the things that need to happen to just keep you alive. Like, your bones and, like, things between your bones and joints, it's crazy what goes on there. <laughs> it didn't happen by accident. Take a minute and say, thank you, God, for all that. Thank you for the regular stuff. Thank you for the not regular stuff. Thank you for the Jordan River that you parted for them and for the Jordan River in my life that you've done something amazing for me. If you are a new to this Christ follower walk, you're new to church, you're new to whatever this is, um, God created you. And, and those things that get you up every day, they, that is a miracle from God. And you can thank him for that. God loves you so much that we make bad choices. You've been there. All of us in this room, yes? Everyone's made a bad choice. And like you knew it was a bad choice. Ooh, isn't that the worst? And I still do it every time. And so, and so God saw those bad choices. And, and even though those bad decisions create distance between us and him, he loved us so much that he said, that cannot be the end of the story. And he stepped into creation and said, I am the creator. I have no obligation to even care about this creation, but I love my people so much that I'm gonna step into creation and be the sacrifice and die on a cross for those mistakes that we made to get rid of that separation that those mistakes create between us and God. He did that because he loves us. And all we have to do is say yes. All we have to do is choose to put our faith in him. And he says, okay. <laughs> and we have this, this reuniting time with Jesus where we are reunited with our creator and we don't have to have that distance because of what he's done on the cross. All we have to do is say yes, accept that gift of salvation and he helps us forever to live for him. Every day the Holy Spirit speaks to me and helps me to become more like Jesus, more and more like him. So uh, we talk about two different types of worship and there is this um, music time at the beginning of the service that, that we call worship time. But there's also like living a lifestyle of worship. There's living a lifestyle where I remember Jesus' sacrifice, where I spend my life remembering what he's done for me, where I'm, I'm thinking about Jesus more than just when I go to church. That's a form of worship, a lifestyle of worship where you care about the commands that he's given us. And he doesn't lay down these rules just because he loves when people obey his rules, but he's given us a blueprint for a blessed life. And if you're a church person, you've heard that word blessed before. If you haven't, it means like happy. <laughs> to translate literally, that means happy. He gives you the path to a better life if you just obey these commands and, and live life the way he suggests it's going to be better. So worship is just a general attitude of gratitude. Attitude of gratitude. That's a good one. <laughs> so that, that lifestyle of worship is one. And this music thing, the time at the beginning of our service that we call worship, we're expressing that, ex expressing that gratitude. When I get going too fast, things get mixed up in my mouth. <laughs> When we are expressing that attitude of gratitude through worship, through music, that's what we're doing at those times. Um, the Bible commands us to sing a song of praise. And I didn't really get this 
Like when I first started worshiping and like when I first started even being a pastor, I thought, yes, everyone worships in their own way and some people just sit silently in church and meditate on probably lunch. Um, (laughs) Because, and at the time I was like, just really didn't want anyone to be mad at me. So I was like, yes, of course, that's a great way to worship. He says, sing. (laughs) He doesn't say like, or you could sing. He says, sing to me. And, and that, that can be like hard to struggle with, um, hard to process. What if I'm not a musician? What if I, I'm really bad at singing? He doesn't care. And, and not only that, but like our brains, he has wired our brains, um, especially for you. If you don't know, you're in a time of your life where like your brain is developing and it's like not quite like developed yet. It's like in transition, in growth. And there are places in your brain that are telling you to do stuff that someday you're gonna be like, that was the dumb stuff. I should not have done that stuff. <laughs> But your brain is not quite ready to make decisions. Like the part of your brain that has the risk and is like, a, like I, can't, I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to, is the loudest part of your brain at this type part of your life. And the part that's like, hey, that's a bad choice, is the quietest right now in your brain. And that's really unfortunate for you. Uh, and it was really unfortunate for me. But all that to say, when you, like science has le- linked faith songs, worship music, to that brain development that will quiet things like anxiety, that like your brain is screaming, hey, hey, we're in danger. But you're like looking around and you're like, this is my bedroom. There's no danger here. Like there are things in your brain that are just, they're, they're not firing right. And, and science has linked faith music to quieting those things that are just, that are wrong. <laughs> quieting those, those developmental things and helping you to, to create habits. Like you're at a time of your life where everything you do that is your brain is developing to do those things. So like every, every hour you spend on your phone is rewiring your brain a certain way. So all that to say, when you make worship music a part of your life, you are teaching your brain to rely on God. You are teaching your brain in the long run to rely on God. That is crazy. That is so cool that he, he wires our brain that way. So God deserves worship. Why do we worship? Because God deserves it. Sometimes I make less notes and I think it's going to mean that I'm going to talk less, but then I get excited and talk about stuff that isn't in here, but it's all very important. The second question is when do I worship? Why do I worship? Because he deserves it. When, when is it appropriate? In a, in a phrase all the time. Always worship every time. Because I grew up in the church and I heard two different sermons around here. I heard that it's easy to worship when things are going bad. When you're in the valley and you have like hit rock bottom and there's nowhere else to turn, that's when it's easy to worship God. And it's hard to worship God when things are good. When you're on the mountaintop and you think you got there on your own, you forget God, that's when it's hard to worship. Easy to worship in the valley, hard to worship on the mountaintop. I have also heard a sermon that says it's easy to worship on the mountain. When things are going well, when all you can see is the sky and Jesus up there on, on his throne, it's easy to worship on the mountain. And it's when you're in the valley that you're distant from God and you forget that he's there. So when I take these two things together, it says to me that it is always hard to worship and it is always important to worship. <laughs> when do we worship? The answer is all the time, under every circumstance, whether things are going good and you're on the mountaintop and you just feel like things are awesome or you're in the valley and you're like, things are falling apart, I don't know what to do. You rely on God in the valley. You thank God in the mountain all the time. You rely on God in the valley. You thank God on the mountain. There's a man in the Bible named Paul. 
uh, in human history, this Paul guy was influential. We see his name come up, not just in like our Bible of ancient writings, but like other people writing that weren't Christians. They're like, there's this Paul fellow. He's running around doing stuff. So um, this guy named Paul wrote a letter to Christians in the church of Philippi. And uh, if, you may have heard this verse, Philippians 4, 13. This is what he says. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Really awesome. This is like a verse that we put in cards and we like remind ourselves when things are going hard. We're like, I can do anything through Jesus. And that's so true. But it's not really what Paul meant here. <laughs> um, I do think that you can do anything through Jesus. I don't think you should use this verse to prove that. Because this verse, you got to like look at the text around it. Like when you start picking, like if you picked what I said today and you were like, you were like, Pastor Chris taught today that there are other gods that give us Twinkies and Mountain Dew. You see what I'm doing there? <laughs> That's the same thing we do with scripture by accident a lot of times. So when you read one verse, read what's around it because it'll teach you something. So what Paul was saying was that I can do all this. I can, wh this, what is that this? He says, I have lived in times of plenty. I have lived where my wallet was full, where I had every need met. And in those times, I thanked God. And he says, there are other times where I have been beaten and, and accused of starting a revolution and have been betrayed and have been left to die. And in those times, I relied on God. He's saying, no matter if I'm in plenty or in, uh, in nothing, in a scarcity, I can still rely on God. I can do, I can handle any of those circumstances through Christ who gives me strength. I can handle a lot and I can handle a little. I am content no matter what's going on around me because of Jesus's strength. Another time, this guy named Paul, he was really cool. And he had a friend named Silas, also really cool. And him and his friend Silas, uh, they're like walking around telling people about Jesus. And there's this girl behind them and this girl's possessed by a demon. And we as a church do believe that that is like a real thing that happens. It does not happen every day. <laughs> um, probably somewhere in the world. It does not happen in your life every day. But in this case, Paul and Silas were faced with this demon in this girl. And so they actually, this girl was a slave to these people. And they were, this demon had these spiritual powers where she could tell people's future because of this spiritual demon that was inhabiting her. So Paul and Silas see a girl possessed by a demon and say, we better fix that and, and cast this demon out of her. Well, now she's just a regular little girl. She's not telling anyone their future anymore. So the slave owners tell everyone that Paul and Silas wrecked our business. Paul and, they might as well have burned our small business to the ground. So they get this angry mob together. They beat up Paul and Silas. They take them to jail. Paul and Silas are in jail for casting a demon out of a little girl. Pretty crazy. But this is what happens next. In Acts 16, about midnight, this is after they've been beaten. In this jail, they are certainly not wearing clothes. They are certainly laying in their own filth. They are chained to a wall. And about midnight, they're sleepy too. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. If this were uh, about Pastor Chris, it would say about midnight. Pastor Chris was crying. <laughs> and writing sad poetry. <laughs> but Paul and Silas were better than me, luckily. <laughs> they were not weeping and complaining, which they would have had every right to do. Another translation 
like the original language this was originally written in like Greek. And someone else said that this probably meant singing robustly. They weren't like humming a tune. <laughs> they, were, they were belting. They were screaming worship songs. The other people were around them. They were singing robustly, covered in blood and bruises. They were sore and shackled and they were worshiping. True worship despite your circumstances. True Worship. Now, you may have never been in this position, but, but this matters to you to worship God unconditionally in the good and the bad. You, in the valley, you rely on God. On the mountain, you thank God. Whether you feel like it or not, whether, it's, whether you're distracted or not, whether it's difficult, God is still worthy. He still deserves it. So all the time, keep worshiping him. Now, so now we have a why, we have a when, we should worship God. Now, this is a, the more practical question, and that is how. How do I worship? So if the answer to why is because he deserves it, the answer to when is all the time. How, if I answered in a phrase, it would be in spirit and in truth. And I'll explain what that means. Um, personally, for me, learning to worship, like my dad taught me how to change a tire, I spent some time learning how to worship God. And I know that some of you in this room have spent a lot of time learning what worship really means, learning what singing songs about God, what that can do to your insides. And so for me, I went to convention. A lot of you guys in here, we go to a convention every year in the spring. In 2006, was anyone born after 2006? Anybody? Just a couple of you? Yes, yes. Around that time, I was at convention and... Um, I had never been on like a church trip before. This was the first like church trip I had been on. And I had a really great time. We were doing fine arts. I was hanging out in a hotel. And then I went to this giant service where they filled a hockey rink with like 3,000 teenagers. And they were playing worship music and people were crying and they were lifting their hands. And at first I was like, what is this? <laughs> Some of you may have experienced that in this room. And... I believe that God spent some time teaching me how to worship. And it wasn't that I was like looking over to the person next to me and so I put my hand up when they did and I like switched hands when they did, did the heartburn, you know. I wasn't mimicking the people around me. But God was teaching me, when you listen, I'll speak to you. He was teaching me that like, you put up all these walls to keep people out. If you let me in, it's going to change something. He was teaching me that when you put your hands up and you're saying, I surrender, I give up my life, I can't do this on my own. Everything I'm trying to do in my power, I want to do in your power. It changes you. It affects you. It's an outward expression of what's going on in your insides. So at that convention in 2006, God taught me, began to teach me how to worship. I didn't figure it out in a day and I have not figured it out. I will spend forever learning how to worship God. But it began this journey of figuring out what that means. And, and crying and raising your hands, it's not necessarily the only way to express worship. Uh, if you come on a Sunday, you'll see people with flags. You might see people dancing. You might see all kinds of things, uh, different ways to express our worship for God. Open your heart. When you say, God, I'm listening, you can have this. I'm giving it to you. Whatever I'm trying to hang on to myself, I release it. When you say those things to God, he speaks to you. He, he reaches in and he says, well done. He says, that is right. And he, he starts to, to download that peace and joy and hope and things that you 
didn't know where they were coming from. You're like, I should not feel hopeful in this situation. I have been through like some crazy stuff in my life. Things where I should not have been able to think it was okay. But God reached into my life and said, thing, whispered in my ear constantly, things are going to be okay. This is what the Bible says about how to worship in John 4. This is a pretty familiar uh, event in the life of Jesus. Uh, he was talking to a woman that he shouldn't have been talking to because it like didn't look good that he was talking or associating with this particular woman. He said this, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. So I see two things. In the Spirit and in truth. So I'm going to break it down. And uh, these are not 100% correct answers. I'm going to tell you what those words mean to me. When I read that I have to worship in spirit, that means to me that it's not all physical. That means that raising my hand does not mean worship because I do that in school. <laughs> Crying does not mean worship because I do that when I'm sad. It's a, it's a spiritual thing where you need to focus on God. I think focus is a huge part of worship. It's, it's been an obstacle for me where I have trouble focusing on God. But a, when you have a focused attention on gratitude for God and to God, that's worship. And you can say things like, God, I thank you. And you can say things like, God is so good, where you're talking to God, talking about God. A focused attention on who God is and what he's done for you that is worshiping in spirit. And what's really cool, I, I said in worship earlier that um, when we draw close to him, he draws close to us. That's what he told us. It's this exchange of love. We, we pour out our love to God and he pours out his love. Many of you in this room have been in a moment where you've experienced worship in that way, where you're pouring out your love to him and yet you're being filled. And you're like, what is this about? It's an exchange of love. Worship is an exchange of love to worship in spirit. And the second thing is in truth. As I mentioned, this was originally written in Greek. And uh, so I looked at this word for truth, that we say truth, and it's aletheia. And go figure, it means concerning facts, what truth means. Um, so when I see to, to worship God in truth means uh, I'm, it's genuine. It's actually about God. Because I have been in times where I raised a hand where I should not have because I was not thinking about God at that time. I was thinking about a girl I was trying to impress or I didn't raise my hand because I was not thinking about God. I was thinking about a girl I was trying to impress. That was not my wife. <laughs> so That's how I know it was wrong. <laughs> to worship God in truth means to be real. It's only about you and God. It's about God, <laughs> really. So let it, letting go of the me in that equation and saying, this is all about you. I'm not looking at the people around me. I'm not thinking about what this is gonna to do to my reputation or my image. It's all about you. Because there's lots of ways to worship God not in truth. When you're just reading words off a screen with a pretty background and you're not having your attention focused on God, you're not doing it right. That's not worshiping in truth. So for you, Worship God in spirit and in truth. Think about what that means for yourself. Do it so you know how it feels for yourself. And, and he's not throwing you next to the car and saying, figure it out, change the tire. God will teach us. And as we be like vulnerable with him, as we like 
say, I count on you to do this. I'm not going to figure this out on my own. I need your help. He obliges. He does speak to us. He does help us figure this stuff out. So worship God in spirit and in truth. So we got these three questions. Why do I worship? Because God deserves it. When do I worship? All the time, no matter what my circumstances are. And how do I worship? In spirit and in truth. In a focused attention that is honestly, genuinely about God. If you're a new person to, to church, to Apex, um, you are these foundational things. Some people don't get them. Some people that are going to church forever, they're like taking their walker into church and don't really understand worship. So for you, uh, you have this great foundation of understanding this basic principle. For you that have been here before, that you're, you've been going to church for a long time, you may realize, I got to shore up my foundation because maybe I missed something about this or I've learned something. I hope that you've learned something about it. So for you, you have work to do. We all have work to do. You're on, we're all on a journey to learn how to worship God together. So throughout this week, I want you to put worship on. Almost everyone in this room has access to Spotify or YouTube or something. Play something that was written for Jesus and talk to him and worship him and open your heart. Worship him in spirit and in truth because he deserves it all the time. Worship God sometime this week. Let's pray. Jesus, help us to get this. Help us to work on these foundational things, God, as we... Um, try to live our lives for you, Father. I pray that you help us to not get caught up in the rafters, to not get caught up in all of the nuances of things that are, you know, advanced without figuring out what the basics are. Help us to see what worship really means for us, how you want us to express our worship. Teach us how to stay focused on you during worship. Teach us how to have this attitude of gratitude for you, for what you've done, for who you are. God, every day help us to spend time thanking you for the many blessings that you've given us, for the many rivers you've parted for us, God. Then I pray in our small groups that you bless those conversations, that you would uh, help us to learn something tonight, and you would help us to be vulnerable with you so we can take a step towards looking more like you tonight. God, I pray not a single person walks out of here without looking a little bit more like you tonight. We love you. We worship you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Students podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you can get your podcasts. We hope this message has mattered to your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.